0: Our life study of Genesis today brings us back to our good friend Jacob, and Dick Taylor has been kind enough to join us to fellowship about Jacob and more of the picture that this presents for us of transformation. Dick, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be involved in this fellowship. Today, Dick, we are going to see Jacob, for the second time, set up a pillar in Bethel. In the first instance, chapter 28, it was associated with a wonderful dream. Why don't you give us a brief review of that dream and maybe some of the high points of Jacob's life between these two pillar events.
1: In chapter 28, we see Jacob fleeing his brother Esau, and uh, he's on this pilgrim journey, a fully exhausted, and at night he sets up a pillow. His pillow is a stone, a rock, but during the night he had a tremendous dream Uh, In his dream, he saw a ladder from earth to heaven, and he saw angels of God ascending and descending on this ladder. This uh, indicates that this ladder was bringing heaven to earth and joining earth to heaven. And at the end of this dream, when he woke up, he said, surely this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And at that point in time, he took the stone, which he'd used for his pillow, and he poured oil upon the top of that stone, indicating that it's a transformed humanity, that is to become from clay to stone, that expresses God, signified by the oil. And this is where the house of God is. But we have to realize his vision of the house of God, the church life at this time, was basically a dream basically a dream. So Jacob needed to go through many experiences. Uh, He ran from his brother into the so-called safety of his uncle Laban, but he just ended up going through dealing after dealing, experience after experience, and his life was one signifying and revealing to us clearly the need of our transformation. Otherwise, in actuality and practicality, there can never be the house of God. So this leads us to the second time he visits Bethel and God appears to him again. And again, he sees a vision. And this is what we're entering into today.
0: Thank you, Dick. I'm anxious to get to this life study. Let's join Witness Lee.
2: In Jacob's life, the most striking thing was that he set up a pillar twice. And both of the times, he did this in the same place. And he called the pillar, he set up, Basil, the house of God. Tonight, we come to the development of this seed of pillar in the New Testament. Firstly, we see the apostles as pillars. This is mentioned in Galatians 2. There it says, not Peter, but Cephas. This would remind us the change of Peter's name from Simon to Cephas. The first time when Peter contacted the Lord, the Lord changed his name to a stone. We all can realize the changing of Peter's name does indicate that the Lord's intention is to have him eventually transformed into a piece of stone. There is the need of transformation. The natural salmon has to go, has to be transformed Into a piece of stone. How could a natural man, born so natural, even so sinful, be a pillar of the church? How could this be? The answer is this, this person must be transformed. And we know, according to New Testament, transformation depends upon regeneration. Regeneration puts into us a life so new that will transform us all the time. Hallelujah. We all have received such a divine life, and we all have such a seed of transformation. But, sorry to say, among so many Christians... Much attention has been paid to the matter of uh, regeneration, but very little to the matter of transformation. We need to pray for our transformation. Regeneration happened in our spirit. But now, we have to ask, how about our soul? And we know the soul is composed the mind, will, and emotion. This tells us we need the transformation. Not in our spirit, but in our mind. And this could be fully proven by Romans 12, that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is by the renewing of our mind. And this transformation makes us the stone. How could we be transformed from clay to stone? This is the crucial point. I feel converted. Transformation is... To put Christ into your being. Transformation is to have Christ not only imparted into your spirit, but to have Christ spreading all the time from your spirit into every part of your inner being. This is altogether missed by Christians.
0: Well, Dick, we really have a very clear type of transformation from this portion in Genesis, don't we? Yes, we do. How can we have a renewed mind? And what are some indications that our mind is being renewed? That's a
1: very good question. I was thinking of uh, Ephesians 4.23 which says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's by the addition and the saturation and the permeating of Christ as the renewing spirit from our spirit into our mind that our mind enjoys the renewing. We can have such a renewed mind based upon 2 Corinthians 3.18. As we turn our heart to the Lord, Then we behold and reflect him with an unveiled face, and we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. That means his mind is entering into our mind to make our mind the mind of Christ. What are some of the indications our mind is renewed? You hear the word church? Maybe the first time you heard the word church, you just thought of a building on a corner. But according to the Bible, that's not accurate. A building on the corner someday will burn. The church is something eternal, composed of God with his people. And so to have the mind renew, you realize, wow, the church is not just some physical building, but it's an organism. It's God, Christ, mingled with his people and built up together as one
2: constitution.
0: Dick, thank you for your fellowship. I think there's more renewing just ahead. Let's rejoin Witness Lee.
2: This Christ in us is growing, is increasing. How could we be transformed from a piece of clay into a piece of stone by christ added into us all the time? The transformation could only be possible by having Christ imparted into you. Tonight, you need more Christ than this morning. You need Christ to be increasing all the day long. By reading the New Testament, you could see clearly Peter was transformed. As Cephas, he was one of the pillars of the church. Eventually, in the New Testament, We are told that the church, not only the apostles, but the whole church is the pillar. The pillar of truth. Truth in Greek, it really means something solid. Something real. So, the church is the pillar that... Bears the truth, bears the expression of the real thing. And what is this real thing? You have to go on to the next verse. It says, No controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. And What is the mystery of the godness you read on? That is, God manifested in the flesh. We know God manifested in the flesh was Christ. When he was on this earth, he was God manifested in the flesh. Outwardly, he was a man in the flesh. Inwardly, (laughs) ha ha. In reality, that was God there. So God was the reality. And Jesus, as a man in the flesh, was the manifestation of God in flesh. This is the very truth here. And this is the mystery of godliness. And what does godliness mean? It means to be Like God. Godliness is just God-likeness. When Jesus was on this earth, he was a man living in the flesh and living in the human environment. But all the time when people look at him, his likeness was the likeness of God. That was a mystery because nobody understands that. I tell you, today, this mystery must be continued in the church. And the church is a continuation of this mystery of godliness. Well, Dick, we've
0: seen before that in the New Testament, the pillars initially are the major apostles, Peter. John and James. But eventually, the whole church becomes the pillar, as we saw in 1 Timothy 3. And this expansion from the few to ultimately include all the members of Christ is linked to the mystery of godliness. This is a very profound thought. Would you please help us with it?
1: It's quite good if we look at 1 Timothy, we can see that God's purpose is related to his economy. Paul charged Timothy, teach uniquely God's economy. Then, as we proceed in 1 Timothy, we see in chapter 2, it says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. Then, in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, we see that we have the church as the house of of the living God and the pillar and base of the truth." What does this mean if we put 1 Timothy 1, 2, and 3 together? We see that God's purpose is not just with the major apostles being pillars and being a testimony of the truth, but that this testimony would be expanded and ultimately include all the members of Christ. Well, in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, we see that the church is called the house of the living God and the pillar and the base of the truth. What does this mean? This means God himself who is truth, who is reality, who is a mystery in Jesus Christ because he's a man, yet he expresses God in the flesh. This wonderful one who is truth and who is reality is going to be infused into all of his members until they become him in an expanded way. Not just a few pillars, but all the members would become the church, the house of the living God, the pillar and base of the truth. So this mystery of godliness, which is firstly just Christ, has been expanded to include all the members of his body.
0: A wonderful expansion, Dick, thank you very much. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life
2: study. Now, from the church being the pillar to the pillars in the New Jerusalem. According to uh, Revelation 3.12, firstly, the Lord says, you, the church in Philadelphia, had a little strength and you have kept my word. And you have not denied my name. You have to keep the word of the Lord and not deny the name of the Lord. If you do this, you will be an overcomer. Then I will write the name of my God upon you. And I will write the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem upon you. And I will write my new name upon you. Firstly, what does it mean to keep the word of the Lord? And what does it mean not to deny the name of the Lord? Superficially speaking. The word is just the uh, word spoken by the Lord. Then we keep. This is altogether right, but is somewhat superficial. To keep the word on the positive side is to receive whatever the Lord is into you. And the negative side is to kill all your opinions, all your concepts. The word is always representing the Lord Himself. If we are going to receive the expression of the Lord himself, we have to drop our opinion. You know, we have talked about transformation. Romans 12 tells clearly, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The very place, the very center of our concept, opinions. So to be transformed is to kill your opinions. Now, what is not to deny my name? A proper name denotes that person. Not to deny the name of the Lord means what? Not to deny the person of the Lord. If you don't express the person of Christ, actually it means you deny his name. You have to live a life. That is Christ expressed out of you. And this very person expressed out of you eventually becomes your designation in others' mouths. Others would say, he is a Christian. A real Christian. The church at Philadelphia didn't deny the name of the Lord. That means they lived by the Lord. And his life was lived out by the church there. So his person became the name of those saints. Then the Lord says, I will write the name of my God. And the name of the saint of my God, the new Jerusalem and my new name. My God is quite meaningful. Why Christ call God his God? Because in Revelation Christ all the time stands on the position as one sent by God. This is the position you and I today have to take. In everything we have to say, I'm not the Lord. I'm just a little sent one. I have no other position. I shouldn't have any opinion. I shouldn't have any concept. It is not my will, but His will be done. Not only the personal name of my God, I will write upon you even the name of the city of my God. This means that the city, the New Jerusalem, is a building not according to anyone's will, but according to the will of my God. All the materials built into the city are persons like the very Jesus in the four gospel. Not one acts according to his own. Everyone acts according to God's will. And then, my new name. If we are such persons, we surely will have new experiences of Christ. Today, most of the Christians only have the experience of Christ as their Redeemer. If you are short of Christ, you can never be a Peter. Christ is not only our Redeemer, our life, but Christ is our King. Christ is our prophet. Christ is our priest. Christ is our light. Christ is our power. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our holiness. And Christ is our transformation. The more you experience Christ, the more new Christ is to you the more Christ's name is written upon you. Firstly, Christ's Redeemer has been written upon you. Later on, as life, and then as light, then as humility, then as patience, then as love. This new name is endless. The more you experience, the longer the writing of this new name is.
0: Dick, I have to say, praise the Lord. That was a marvelous picture of transformation and a tremendous description of the kind of growth in life and experience of Christ that I think every genuine believer longs for. That's true. How do we deepen our experience of Christ to this extent? I guess we could say, how do we get there from here?
1: I like uh, Ephesians 2.22 in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. How do we get to there from here? We really need to take care of our spirit. As we take care of our spirit, the Bible tells us many times to live according to the spirit, enjoy Christ in the spirit, the grace of the Lord is with your spirit. As we take care of the spirit. We're taking care of the transforming one through all kinds of circumstances. We remain under and in the transformation process that eventually the house of God could be built up through so many transformed members. So the reality of this house, which is in Ephesians 2.22, as a dwelling place of the living God is really in our spirit. So by taking care of our spirit, we take care of the living God to become the house of the living God. This is the way to cooperate with him and to maintain a daily touch with him through his word so that we get constituted with him as the truth. We could become the corporate pillar and base of the truth.
0: Dick, I'm satisfied. I think the Lord is satisfied with our life study today. Thank you for being here and being a part of it.
1: Oh, praise the Lord. You're welcome.
0: You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, Or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge.